We just, we just got back from a, a little bit of a vacation last week. But the, uh, the Monday before that, as we were sitting in the airport, as we were sitting at DFW waking, waiting to take off, um, I saw something. Uh, I saw something that, that caught my eye and I wanted to share it with you. I saw something kind of odd. Uh, we were there on Monday waiting to take off and I saw this monk walking through the airport, just like walking down straight, the, the, straight through the concourse. Uh, I think we were in Terminal A uh, flying out. And uh, there he was, this, this Franciscan monk, just like completely decked out in his gray robes. And I know that's, that's not really partic- like particularly strange. That's not really odd. Um, the thing that caught my eye was that along with his gray robes, this dude was wearing a cowboy hat. And that is kind of odd. Uh, and, and, and it was amazing. And there was something in me, like with every fiber of my being, I wanted to break out my, my phone. I wanted to take a picture of this dude. But there was this other part, like my better angels were telling me, like, nah, Todd, don't do that. Because, man, that's, that's kind of creepy. Uh, um, and so I came back and I asked our, our amazing communication guys, I was like, hey, can y'all work some of that Photoshop magic that y'all do? Um, so we can just, like, help imagine what it looked like. Um, and y'all, that's almost exactly what that guy looked like. I mean, like two AT, they could be twins. Like I said, it was, and it was, it was amazing. It was amazing to see this young religious walking right down the concourse of, of DFW um, because you knew. Just from looking at him, just from what you could see from the outside, you, you knew what this guy was. I mean, there, was there, there was no doubting it. There was, there was no questioning it. Just from what you could see, you knew who this guy was. You, you knew what he was. Just from looking at him, you knew that he was a man of faith, and that he was a Texan, or at least he was wanting to be a Texan. You knew. Just right up, just from what you see, you, you knew what you needed to know about him. And on this, on this Independence Day weekend, I got to wonder, how do people see when they see us? On this Independence Day weekend, I, I got to wonder, who do people see when they see us? Because this, this weekend, this weekend is about celebrating our freedom. But I got to wonder, on this Independence Day weekend, how are we using it? You and me, how, how are we using that freedom? And that's exactly what we're going to see in our scripture for this morning. And so if y'all have got your Bibles with you, go ahead and pull them out. We're going to be in the book of Galatians this morning, Galatians chapter 5. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. There are Bibles there in the pew in front of you. Maybe you have a Bible app on a cell phone or a tablet we did this morning. Go ahead and, and turn it on. Again, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, uh, beginning our reading this morning with uh, verse 13. Galatians 5 and verse 13. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the early church at Galatia. Friends, hear the word of the Lord. The apostle writes, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Paul would use those exact words to begin this this chapter in his letter to the Galatians. And he he was begging them. He was pleading with them. Begging them, don't go back. Don't go back to, to your old ways. Don't go back to, to all those things that used to, to, to bind you down. Don't go back. 
Don't go back to, to all of your, your old ways of doing. Go, go back to all of your, your old ways of, of being, of being in a relationship with God. Don't go back to your old ways of being in a relationship with others. Paul, Paul was begging them. And he was begging us too. Here, 2,000 years removed, he was begging us too. Paul was begging us to remember. He was begging us to remember freedom's promise and to remember its price. So he was saying, yeah, in Christ, in faith, we're free. You're free. In faith, we're, we're free. We're, we're, we're free from, from sin's stranglehold on our hearts and our minds and our souls. We're free. In Christ, we're free from greed and, and pride and, and anger and apathy and loneliness, lust, hate. All those things that want to trip us up. We're free. In Christ, we're free. We're, we're free from shame and from guilt and from death's fearsome sting. In Christ, we're free. You are free. But, he says, we're free, but we're not free to do everything we want. We're, front, we're not free to do anything that we please. We're, we're not free to, to say and to think and to do whatever, else, whatever it is that, that crosses our mind. Yeah, he says, we're free. But, but freedom in this life means our servitude to the next. It means our, our obedience. Uh, our servitude, our obedience to Christ, to to the Lord, and Paul is saying is that, yes, in, in faith we're free. We're, we're free from serving ourselves. But it also means that we're free to. We're free from ourselves, but free to serve God. We're now free to love God. But what's that love look like? What's it look like to, to, to really love God? Paul answers that question for us too. He says it's us loving and serving one another. It's, it's, it's right here. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, it's, it's us acknowledging our freedom. It's, it's us thinking, giving thanks for our freedom, but then using that freedom for the sake of others. It, it's deploying that freedom on, on behalf of those who still cling to its hope. Those who, who still yearn for its promise, it's us engaging in, in works of love and mercy and compassion and charity and justice. But, but I, think I, need, I think I need to clarify something. There seems to be some confusion these days about that work, about that hard and holy work that we, the church, are called to. Right? That, that justice thing, right? Because, because justice, is not, justice isn't us just doing, just doing acts that, that are good. It's not us doing good out of some kind of untethered sense of do-gooderness, right? Um, it, it's, not, it's not us engaging in acts of charity for, for any reason that is divorced, for any reason that is removed from its gospel source. See, we do the, the good that we do, and we work the justice that we can out of, out of a profound sense of, of responsibility, out of a profound and righteous sense of duty to the one who set us free from everything that would shackle us to the lies and the lures of this life. We do the good that we do because of Jesus. Because of his life and death and resurrection that fought for us, a fight that we couldn't fight for ourselves. That's why we stand in the gap and that's why we fight for others. 
otherwise, we'll, we'll just have to keep on contending with the problem that, that Paul would go on to warn us about in, in verse 15. If we continue to, to forget, if you and I, if we continue to, to take our freedom for, for granted, if we forget the price that was paid for it, the price that was paid for our freedom on a hill called, called Calvary and on battlefields all around the world, if we continue to use our freedom just for, for our own self-centered, self-serving ways, and, and friends, we will most assuredly be consumed by one another. Just look around us, it's, it's already happening. But, but for as much as it, it sometimes irks us, for, for as much as it sometimes pains us, I think what we have to understand, and more than just understand, what I think we need to celebrate is the fact that there is no such thing as a shortcut on the American journey. That, that along with this freedom comes a responsibility, a profound and sacred responsibility. George Bernard Shaw said it. He said, liberty means responsibility. That's why most men dread it. Liberty means responsibility. That's why most folks, that's why most of us dread it, because we are now responsible. It's, it's one thing to sing and to dance to liberty's tune. But it's another thing entirely for us to bear the, the, the pressure, for us to bear the responsibility of paying for the band. We have a responsibility you and me. We have a responsibility to, to all of those who have come before us, and we have a responsibility to all those who will come behind us. A responsibility to, to play our part in this ongoing story, to, to play our part in this ongoing story. We have a responsibility to be active and to be engaged and to be informed, not just doing the right thing, not just doing good, but, but doing what is sometimes the even harder, the harder work of, of knowing the right thing to do, of really struggling, of really wrestling with, of really praying over the issues that confront us, not, not just going along with the quick knee-jerk reactions that are, that are way too easy and way too common these days. We have a responsibility because the the dream of America was never about us being a nation where we were free from fighting. Now, the dream of America was always that we would be a nation where we would, be, we would find the, the freedom to, to find something noble worth fighting for. And honestly, I, I don't know what the answer is. Which I, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I know what the answer is not. The answer isn't in us doing nothing. It's not in us checking out and us giving up because we're, we're exhausted or because we're frustrated. It's not in us doing nothing. And, and the answer is not in cynicism and it's not in negativity. And the answer isn't in us going back to, to our own divided corners, back to our echo chambers, back to, to our holy huddles that are just going to tell us what we want to hear. The answer isn't in any of that. We've tried that all. So maybe, maybe, just maybe, the answer is this. Maybe the, just maybe the, the answer is, is us coming together and building that place. Maybe it's us coming together and being that place that we're all looking for already. Maybe it's us using our freedom in Christ to build something new for Christ. So that when, when people see us, they see him too. Thank you, and I think you're exactly right. 
And I believe that is our calling in this hour. But to do that, I want us to remember this scripture. I really want us to kind of dive in for a minute because I think it teaches us something very profound. Notice what it says. We are called to freedom. I submit to you the story of history is this movement to freedom. 4,000 years ago, remember the children of Israel were in slavery. They were in bondage in Egypt. And God sent Moses to thunder a word to Pharaoh, let my people go. And for 4,000 years, humanity has been on this journey to freedom, sometimes advancing, sometimes the forces of evil have made that retreat and, and freedom seems to be in retreat. Sometimes there are long seasons of plateau, but the calling of every generation is how do we advance the dream of freedom that Paul gives us in our scripture lesson for today. And I really want us to think about that because I think it's so important. What are we called to do? How do we keep this, this, this dream of freedom alive in our time, in our day, in our generation? Read a, an article while I was on vacation, and it's one I've been reading for 20 years or so, but the statistics continue to grow that people that analyze our nation keep talking about it's less and less Christian, and it's less influenced by Christian values. And it talked to some people outside the faith. And they say something that's just intriguing to me. These people outside the faith are very interested in Jesus. They're fascinated by Jesus. They want to know more about Jesus. But when they look at the church and they look at Christians, they don't see much Jesus. And the way that we act and the way that we live. Which brings us to the point, the answer to Todd's question, I think the greatest gift we can give America today is to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, to believe it, to live it, to share it with the world. And we wonder, how do, how do we do that? Well, I think our answer is in this passage from Galatians. So I want us to dive back in for just a minute, and I want us to think about what Paul teaches us, because I think this is our calling in this hour. The first thing, when we embrace the gospel and we live the gospel, we're going to learn to see other people differently. We're going to see people the way that Jesus did. Notice something about our freedom. We're called to freedom, not to use our freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. It's not about what we want and what furthers our dreams. We're free to do that, but just because we're free to do something doesn't make it right. Before we act, we need to ask the question, is it kind is it helpful? Does it help us love our neighbor in a way that we would like to be loved? We need to be honest in the story of history. I'm a student of American history, and for most of our history, the nation has been polarized and divided almost eerily 50-50. How in the world have we lived together and worked together and compromised together and gotten along? It's when people learn to respect each other and talk to each other and even those that we disagree with, that we differ with, to understand, to see them the way that Jesus does as precious children of God, that we're sharing this journey together. And when we begin with that place of respect, things are differently. And Paul goes on to say that. Remember a little later in this chapter, he says, this is how you're supposed to live your freedom. And he gives us what we know is the fruits of the Spirit. You remember those beautiful fruits of the Spirit that we find at the end of Galatians 5? love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's how we're called to respond to each other in this hour. Ran across a wonderful story 
that really brings this to life. There was a softball game, and a young lady named Sarah hit her first home run she ever hit. And she was so excited, and she rounded first base, and something horrible happened. She planted her foot, and she tore ligaments in her knee, fell down on the ground, writhing in pain. She couldn't walk. It was a terrible moment. So her coaches ran out and they were trying to help her to discover what was going on. The umpires got together and they huddled and tried to figure out how do we handle this moment. And this is finally what they ruled. They realized that if the coaches or one of her teammates picked Sarah up, she would be called out and her home run would be negated in the record book. And they realized that the coach said that they were going to send in a pinch runner for her because she had rounded first. Her hit would be called a single, and the pinch runner would be on first base. So the coaches, they were all trying to figure out what to do and how to handle this moment when something shocking happened. The opposing team went over to Sarah, and they picked her up, and they rounded the bases, completing her home run. The only home run she ever hit, the last play that she had in that season, really the last play that she had in her softball career. And I thought, isn't that amazing? Isn't that America? Wouldn't it be something if we treat each other like that, even if we're playing on a different team and we disagree and we don't see eye to eye? What if we lived the fruit of the Spirit? We are free to do that. We are free to listen before we speak. We are free to understand before we make our point. We are free to be healers of the broken places all around us. We are free to be peacemakers, Jesus said. Use our freedom not for ourselves and our self-indulgence and our desires. See other people the way that Jesus does. But then secondly, we can use our freedom to Let people see Jesus in us. Todd, you shared that, and I think that's so true. I love this again. Our freedom is not for our own self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. Through love give up our own rights. Our purpose in loving is that people can see Jesus in us, and we do that when we practice the golden rule. Remember the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto us. When we practice the great commandment that we read in verse 14, the great commandment is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. When we will do that, when that guides our life every day, that's our mission, that is our purpose. How do we love that way? It's amazing the difference and the blessing that we will make. I went back in my files. I had a story I loved about a lady named Maggie. Maggie lived on a small Native American reservation, and her community had a huge problem. About the age of 12, people started drinking and started drinking heavily, huge problem with alcohol addiction, and she became addicted. But in her 20s, she sobered up, and she decided that her calling in life, her purpose was to come to her community and to help to lead people to healthy living, to lead them to get off their alcohol addiction. She decided to start an AA group. So she reserved the community center on Tuesday nights, and every Tuesday night she hosted an AA meeting. She would get there early, and she would form the chairs in a circle, and she would be there. And to be honest with you, for the first year, nobody went to the meeting but her. She was there all alone. During that time, one of her friends got curious. Where did she go on Tuesday night? 
What is she doing? And so she went and looked in the window, saw her sitting there all alone, and she was just perplexed by this. A little later, she went to her and said, Maggie, what do you do on Tuesday nights? I don't understand. And Maggie said, well, I'm hosting AA meetings for our community, and so that's where I am. And, and the lady said, you're not there at a meeting. I looked in the window and saw you. You're sitting in the midst of those chairs all by yourself. And Maggie got really quiet, and she said, no, I'm not by myself. God's with me, and the Spirit's with me, and I talk to God, and I pray, and I know one day our people will come. And her friend was really amazed by her attitude and her spirit, and I love what she wrote about that. She said she never gave up. Every week she sat up those chairs neatly in a circle, and for two hours she just sat there. No one came to the meetings for a long time. And even after three years, there were only a few people in the room. But 10 years later, the room was filled with people. And the community began turning around. People began ridding themselves of alcohol. I felt so inspired. I joined them. That's what our freedom is for. for to bless others. To help others so that we draw them to Jesus' side and we find freedom in the gospel of Christ. Some of you may know one of my favorite presidents, I love Ronald Reagan, great communicator. He, he moved me in a wonderful way. And I loved his patriotism. He would talk about America as the shining city on a hill. And every time he would share that, I would get chills. He was quoting Governor John Winthrop, the pilgrim governor who said that in the 1630s, who was quoting Jesus in the Sermon on the Mountain. But it was this beautiful metaphor of America. And I was fascinated when President Reagan gave his final address to the nation, January 1989, right before he left office. He spent some time explaining what it meant when he would say America is that shining city on the hill. He explained what he'd been talking about all these years. He said, in my mind, it was a tall, proud city built on rocks, stronger than oceans, windswept, God bless, and teeming with people of all kinds, living in harmony and peace. And then he went on to talk about patriotism and our responsibility and what America is calling us to do. And he made every point we have made in this sermon. We ought to go back and read it. It's a magnificent speech. But he ended in a fascinating way. And I love what he said. He said, lesson number one about America. All great change in America begins at the dinner table. So tomorrow night in the kitchen, I hope the talking begins. And children, if your parents haven't been teaching you what it means to be an American, let them know and call them on it. That would be a very American thing to do. You see, America is calling us to be that shining city on a hill, but it's up to us to do the building. And how do we build? You know, we know one brick at a time, one challenge at a time, one change at a time. We were called for freedom, but freedom not for ourselves and our interests, but freedom to bless others that cross our paths, to make a difference, one neighborhood, one church, one family at a time. And when we will do that, when people see us, when they experience us, they will experience 
Jesus. My friends, that's the greatest gift you and I have to give to America. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the dream of America and the freedoms that we share and the people that have laid down their lives to give us those freedoms. May we never take our blessings for granted, but may we be aware and may we understand our place in the American dream because we are not just spectators. You call us to participate in the way that we interact and the way that we treat people with respect, the way that we live the golden rule and the great commandment because, Lord, we want to live in such a way that people are drawn to you because our freedom is not for ourselves and our interest. Our freedom is to help build that shining city on a hill. So come to us, Lord, and use us to keep the dream of America alive. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.